Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, on the word Nephilim, or giants, and how people get hung up on the meaning of one word and miss the important lesson that God teaches about man in Genesis chapter 6. And we hope you're enjoying these tremendous Bible studies, this great expository teaching that we're getting from Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. And we do appreciate your listenership, and we hope that you'll go to our website, friendshipwithgod.org, to take advantage of some of our free resources or to go to our bookstore that's there. But we also want to make an invitation to you for 2015 to become one of our monthly supporters of Friendship with God so we can continue broadcasting on this station in your city, as well as providing the messages for free for you, the listener, on iTunes.com, SermonAudio.com, and also on our main website, FriendshipWithGod.org. All there for free listening and free download, but it's there with your support, and we need you to become a monthly supporter if you can. You can call us at 800 247 3051, and we can set you up for that. That's 800-247-3051, and that'll help continue Friendship with God airing on this station in your city and also available by podcast and MP3 download. Again, it's 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051 to support Friendship with God this year in 2015 with a monthly donation of any amount. Or you can donate one time online at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God. Father, thank you so much for bringing us together again, Lord. You are the great gatherer. And we thank you, Lord, that when we come together to a meeting like this, with a prayer in our heart, an expectation in us, Lord, to meet with you, to hear from you, we thank you, Lord, that you never send us away disappointed. And so that's what we are here this morning, Lord. Our prayer is to meet with you, to hear from you, and to spend time with our God who we love. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you uh, follow along here in Genesis chapter 6, beginning this time in verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also that after when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will make them, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch, this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. 
The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits, a window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy son's wife with thee, and every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, a fowl's foot to their kind, of cattle after their kind, creeping things of the earth after its kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now, when we come to such a wonderful chapter as this is, in chapter 6 here of Genesis, it's just really a shame when people come to verse 4 of this chapter, where we started reading. They get all hung up. On one word. I'm sure you're guessing what that word is. (laughs) And they completely miss all the important lessons that are in this chapter. It's giants. There were giants in the earth. Giants or Nephilim as it is in Hebrew. And all of a sudden people see nothing else but the Nephilim. And next thing we know we're talking about mysterious crop circles that have appeared in England overnight. Why are those crop signals? Where they come? These great crop circles. Well, they came from the Nephilim. There they are in Genesis 6, 4, you know. Or we're talking about the Stonehenge, which is close, you know, to those crop circles. So the Nephilim didn't have to walk very far. They did it. They made Stonehenge. No other human could do it. That was the Nephilim. Or the UFOs. UFOs. Those spacecraft that light up part of the sky. And who's manning those spacecraft? It's the Nephilim, you know? And super giants. Or those strange, large skeletons that have been found. What are those? No doubt, those are the Nephilim. See, Nephilim is like Nephilimania or something like that. Anyway, so what does it say? It says there were Nephilim in the earth. Well, the word Nephilim is only used twice in the Bible. This is one place. And then there's a second place. So turn with that and get some clarification, which is Numbers 13.33. Numbers 13.33. So what is Numbers 13.33? Well, it's the time when the 12 spies that Moses had sent out, Joshua was one of them, into the land, into the land of Canaan, and they came back with their report. And so it says here in Numbers 13.33 that they said, And there we saw the Nephilim. We saw the giants. And they were the sons of Anak. They were the sons of Anak, which come of the Nephilim, the giants, And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. So, the word Nephilim simply means a tall person. That's all it means. It's a giant in the sense that these were very big people. And in this particular case, they have genetic 
trait that was running through this people called the people of Anak. Some have interpreted it, the word as bullies or, or tyrant. So all the verse 4 is just telling us that, that there were some very tall people who were living at the time. That's all it's saying. Now what is it that we get past this issue? And what is this chapter really saying to us? It's really showing us that in verse 3, you can see when he said there's 120 years left before the judgment. What you really sense there on the part of God is this reluctance to judge man. This reluctance, this hope. But nevertheless, what you have here in Genesis 6 is really an audit. God is auditing. I mean, that's the way I think about it. I mean, in our company, a scan of bodies lab, and we manufacture products, and those products are regulated by the FDA. So, you know, our pregnancy test, which everybody knows this by, its first response is an FDA-regulated product. Well, we have a thousand other products as well that we make, and all of them the FDA regulates. So what does it mean when they regulate? Well, anywhere from once a year or once every three years, they don't really give us their timetable, the FDA just comes and knocks on our door. And there they are, and they're there to do an audit of our company. And during their audit, the FDA makes it very clear that they're technically a part of the Department of Justice. I've never really seen one come with a gun, but they can. Anyway, but they can go anywhere. They can look at any document. They can take any sample or product they want. They can talk to anyone. And they carry out their audit anywhere from three days to one month. And they use a checklist as they go through their audit. And a good auditor, because we've seen them all, is like a hawk. And he comes in, and you can talk all the niceties you want to him. And, you know, would you like a nice seat, some coffee or something? Like that? No, no, no. He is zeroed in on his checklist, and he's zeroing in. And he gets right down to business. And he gets right to the heart of what he's focused on. It doesn't take you long to figure out what he's focused on. And a good auditor asks pointed questions where there's only a yes-no answer. And he drives for that yes-no answer. And then he asks for the documents to verify the responses. And a good auditor can tell if a person is responsive or resistant to him. And we have a whole department in our company that just prepares for these audits and tries to anticipate what the FDA is going to ask for. And their checklist changes every year, as I'm sure you're all aware of the meningitis outbreak as a result of this New England compounding company. And so now the FDA is going to be coming with all those kind of questions about uh, fungus and things like that. So, but at the end of their audit, we don't have to ask, how did we do? Because what the FDA auditor does, and he gives us a Form 483. Everybody calls it 483. And the 483 has all the findings that are problematic. You'll never see on a 483, you really did a good job, this is a great company or anything like that. They, they don't put that down there. It's only the problems that they find. And by each finding, there is a place for a company to put three responses. The first one is, do you agree with the finding or not? It's not a good idea to not agree. So anyway, nevertheless, you put down if you agree with the finding. The second 
by each finding is you must write down what is your proposed corrective action for each of the findings. And the third is when will this corrective action be completed? Now, the responses to each of those problematic findings on the 483 has to be submitted to the FDA within 15 days. Now, if the findings of their audit are so bad, or if you don't respond within 15 days, then you'll receive another nice letter from the FDA called a warning letter. That's when the FDA states that within so many days the company will be shut down uh, unless the FDA is notified before that that the corrective actions have been implemented for all of these problematic observations. Now, that's the process that we're seeing here in Genesis 6. God, the great auditor, is at work. And like a hawk, God goes as the great auditor and he zeroes in in verse 5. And he examines and he writes down his overall finding, his overall condition, what he found, the overall condition on his 483. And he writes down, the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Then like a hawk, the great auditor zeroes in from his checklist and he looks deeper into the man's thought life. And he looks and and he writes down in verse 5 on his 483 findings about the thought life findings as he says, God says, I have found every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then again, like a hawk, God the great auditor zeroes in from his checklist on the effect that man is having on his earth. And in verses 11 and 12, God writes down in his 483 findings, the earth was corrupt before God. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon earth. And then like a hawk, God, the great auditor, zeroes in from his checklist on how man was treating other men on earth. And in verses 11 and 12, he writes down in his 483 findings, the earth was filled with violence. The earth is filled with violence. That's interesting. In verse 11, it says, God wrote down his findings that he spoke to Noah, which he said the earth was filled with violence. And it's almost like he looked at it again. In verse 13, and just he's speaking to Noah, he says, well, it was filled with violence, and it's still filled with violence, even in the time period, wherever long it was. So these 483 observations that God has made are so bad that God goes immediately to send his warning letter to man, which is in verse 3. And that's where he says, his days shall be 120 years. God is much more lenient than the FDA. The FDA never gives 120 years to correct things. But God gave this time period to man to stop making God angry, to start making God happy, and taking God seriously. And then God wrote on his warning letter how he would shut down this operation called the earth. In verse 7, he said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. In verse 13, the end of all flesh has come before me. I will destroy them with the earth. Verse 17, behold, even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh 
everything that is in the earth shall die. Now that was God's warning. That was God's warning letter that he wrote down. But God loves repentance. He loves to give man this interval, this space to correct his ways. And so he gives him these 120 years to respond to God's 483 observations. So the 120 year period, as we said, it shows us how reluctant God is to judge. How reluctant he is to destroy. God does not want to judge man in hell. He's reluctant to do that, but he will. But he holds back and gives man every opportunity to correct his ways and to implement those corrections in his life. So the 120-year period shows how much God wants to save man from his sins. But, oh, wait a minute. I thought the 120 years was the time that it took Noah to make the ark. didn't have anything to do with God wanting to get repentance. It just took Noah a long time to build that boat. Well, yes, (laughs) but don't forget that the ark was God's plan of salvation. So during those 120 years, God had a man not only building his ark, but also preaching good news and bad news. The bad news is that God's going to destroy man because of his sin. The good news is, is that God's merciful and there's room on the ark for you. Though eight have come, there's still room for one. There's room on the ark for you. Noah was saying, you can get in the ark. It's big enough for you. You can get in. Now, Noah was preaching a message of self-determination. Self-determination. He was saying, the choice is 100% yours. If you choose to respond to God's conclusions about your condition on his 483 and his warning letter, and you respond to that, then you can be saved. You can determine. You yourself can determine your destiny. But if you choose not even to respond to God's conclusions and warning letter, then you'll be destroyed. But you determine. You yourself determine your destiny. So you choose. So therefore, it's self-determination. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just a moment. We'd like to encourage you to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It's available for free, signing up with your email by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also Donate online at friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program. You can also call us now or after the program with your support and donation at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. It'll help us to continue airing on this station in your city. You can also call us for a free gift for a lost Jewish friend that you know that needs to be reached with the gospel. Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries will give you a free gift to reach your lost Jewish friend, and that's made available by your donations and your support, but we'll provide that free if you have a lost Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel. Call us at 800-247-3051. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. God the great auditor is at work. And like a hawk, God goes as the great auditor and he zeroes in. Self-determination. He was saying, the choice is 100% yours. 
And that's exactly what God is saying to every lost sinner today. That's what he's saying. God, the great auditor, has audited every man and has written his 483 conclusion in Romans 3.23, where he wrote down, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then he wrote his warning letter in Ezekiel 18.20, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And God has then advised the corrective action for what lost man should do in Romans 10.13. Call. He said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But God's warning letter also for a man today has a time on it. A time. And we, don't, we just don't know what that time is. Because it is appointed unto men once to die, for every man once to die, and after that the judgment. No one knows when he's going to die. So God says, treat his warning letter very seriously, like there is no time left. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, I have heard in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored, have I helped thee. And then he says, behold, now, Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. But God was very, very serious when he warned man in Genesis 6 here. Very serious that he would be destroyed if he didn't repent. And the great tragedy was that man underestimated God. Man undervalued God. He undervalued and underestimated God's resolve to destroy sin, to destroy man. And man took the position, like so many today, that a loving God would never send anyone to hell. I can't believe in a God like that. And that's calling God's bluff. That's pushing God. And that's not a good idea. (laughs) because God is very concerned that man today not make the same miscalculation, not make the same misestimation, not make the same valuation that they did at that time, because God is resolute that he will judge sin. So, God not only put this record for us to read in Genesis 6, That man was destroyed, that was the flood. Why man was destroyed? Because of sin. But God also put in the earth a memorial. This book is a speaking book to us. It's a speaking history. It's a speaking account. But the memorial in the earth is also speaking to us. And that memorial in the earth is the fossils. The fossil record. Why? Because fossils speak. They speak, and they speak, and they remind us that man was destroyed by the flood, and they remind us why man was destroyed. You know, this chapter begins with a description of where man is. God sees man on the face of the earth, it says. On the face of the earth. And on the earth's surface, on the face of the earth, we find billions and billions of fossils. And fossilization is a very special process where a body is immediately, quickly, usually a live body, is entombed in sedimentary silt. And that doesn't happen today. You know, today, things die, they deteriorate on land, or they fall to the bottom of the water and the sea, and they deteriorate. 
and little animals eat them. And they don't become fossils. We don't see fossilization occurring today. Diverse teaching here on the Friendship with God radio program covering Genesis chapter 4 and giants, as well as Noah and the ark and fossils with Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. If you're enjoying the Friendship with God radio program, we'd like you to support this Bible teaching program, Old Testament teaching radio Bible teaching program, and you can do so by calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Now, Tom Cantor uh, teaches so well the Old Testament. He's just a master teacher of the Old Testament, the life of Abraham. We've been studying lately in the book of Genesis, chapter 23, and the Jewish people started with Abraham. Uh, Tom Cantor himself, our Bible teacher, is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants you and others to reach the lost Jewish people of this nation and this world. Now, to do so, he's established Israel Restoration Ministries. He's the founder of this Jewish evangelism outreach ministry. We have full-time missionaries, part-time missionaries, and volunteers like you that help us in reaching the lost Jewish people in our cities and our neighborhoods. If you'd like to support Jewish evangelism or get Jewish evangelism materials to give to lost Jewish people that you know for free, you can call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 247-3051. You can also go online to israelrestoration.org. That's israelrestoration.org for free Jewish evangelism materials and information on how you can reach lost Jewish people, including how to receive the Jewish Messiah as your Savior. Find that plan of salvation online at israelrestoration.org or call us at 800 247 3051 800 247 3051